0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of West Coast Street Knowledge. I'm your host, Gil, a.k.a. The American Troll. And today is my pleasure of introducing you a gentleman that um, is, uh, has a crazy story. He's a former gang member from one of the toughest areas in Los Angeles. He uh, went through a crazy journey he's going to share with us. Uh, his name is Gerardo Lopez, uh, a.k.a. or formerly known as Clever from MS-13. Gerardo, what's going on, brother?
1: Hey, what's up, so homie? Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure, carnal
0: ah nah brother the pleasure's all mine but uh it took us a little while to hook up um many people probably seen you on uh ted talks uh Mm -hmm. i think you just did a vlad tv one great interviews but i think we're gonna we're gonna try to deep go deep into your story man uh where um where were
1: you born first of all i was born in Koreatown, right there in los angeles on uh normandy and 8th street
0: normandy that's Koreatown, when I hear Koreatown before, I would think it's almost like a, like a uh, kind of a, what is that, a Chinatown or something. But Koreatown, a lot of Latinos, a lot of raza lives up in Koreatown, right?
1: Yeah, it is. You know, I, I think it was called Koreatown in the beginning because a lot of uh, businesses were Korean owned. Right. And, but there's a big population right there, Koreanos tambien. When I went to school, there was a whole lot of Koreans in my, um, in my class. But no, you have uh, people from all kinds of different countries right there in uh in Korea town predominantly people from El Salvador, Mexico. Okay. Um, and
0: yeah. that's that's pretty close to MacArthur Park, don't it's how many miles from MacArthur Park would you say you grew up from?
1: Uh just a couple miles.
0: Right? It's a skip and a hop away. All right, so what year were you born, brother?
1: Seventy-eight.
0: Oh, 78. Okay, so seventy-eight, you're you're there. Uh when did you as a young kid start seeing uh I guess, the gangs out there? Because I know there was a lot of gangs in your area.
1: Well, probably, like, when I started to be, like, 9, 10, or 11 years old, that's when I started taking notice of what a gang was. Okay. Right? You know, I mean, I used to hear shootings and uh, all that stuff and see C- violence right there in my neighborhood. But to know what a gang was probably when I was, like, 9, 10, or 11.
0: And, and what, what's your, like, your first recollection of, of what the gang was, if you remember?
1: I think it was um when MS was starting to take over the territory right there, because there was another barrio right there. Okay. So MS started to take care of the territory um take over the territory. So when you know the the people from MS came, you know, back then they came with the with the machetes. Right. So I remember seeing that violence right there. Um but that was first, you know, first hand but Even before that, you will see cholos fighting against each other in different spots of the neighborhood. So you hear shootings and see fights all the time. You know, it was a normal thing.
0: Right. So let's dive a little bit into the history of MS for people who don't know about MS. Where did MS actually originate?
1: Right there in Los Angeles.
0: Right there. And and was it uh was it uh the I mean you hear a lot it was they said from the Mexican gangs trying to bully Central American Salvadorinos and they just kind of started getting together? Is that is that what it was?
1: Well it, it was um you know you have your, your regular Mexican or Chicano gang right there in Los Angeles and when these uh guys came over from El Salvador, um it was a different dialect, you know, the accent is different, the Salvadorian accent from the Mexican accent or, or anything like that. So when right. they went to school. They were being bullied by different types of, of, of people, not just the Mexicans, but of different races, you know, because they were the, the minorities, right? Right. There. So they started, you know, and in and, and, and elementary, a lot of them didn't, didn't even want to say that they were from El Salvador because now they were embarrassed to to speak the, the dialect. Wow. Okay.
2: Them.
1: So, you know, as they started going to junior high, it was the same thing. Then high school, they started saying, you know what? Let's just form our own stuff and that's when Mara Ducha stoners came upon. but it was mainly like a group of stoners that went to these uh, Metallica concerts to smoke weed and, um, and get high. Right,
0: and, that's, and that's what I heard. and then from there it just grew and grew and grew to what it now we it's kind of known I guess as one of the world's most deadliest gangs. I don't know how true that is, but I think that's more of a political thing that we'll get into a little bit later well. So so now you're 9, 11 years old, you're living in your neighborhood. You're starting to get infatuated by the gangs. Talk to me how you went from that innocent kid to now becoming a member of MS-13.
1: Well, in the beginning, you know, you're definitely, you know, like, you know, like you're growing up. You know, everybody's scared in the beginning, right? Nobody's this tough cholo. You're made, you know, a, as time goes on, you become this tough cholo. Yes, sir. Right? And, and, and you start to, to see the lingo and, and walk the walk and, and talk the talk. But in the beginning, you know, I saw the the MS people, and sometimes I used to get jacked for my stuff. You know, it was MS territory. You just right. jack, and you go to another barrio. and you say, "Hey, you know what? I ain't from nowhere," you know, nine nine, the chances are that they're gonna they're gonna jack you also.
2: Right. Right.
1: right. So it just consisted of um, me not wanting to be jacked anymore. Right. right. And then I saw. Uh, the guys from MS, they had respect, power, and pride right there in the barrio, right. and that's the shit that I wanted. You know what I'm saying? That's right, the shit that I wanted. I said, you know what, man? I want to be just like that. You know, I don't want to be punked in my in my own neighborhood. So when right. you started getting, you got tired of being punked, and also it's, it's almost it's also that sense of belonging and wanting to be a part of of uh, of something. Yes, and sir. back then, you know, if, if you tell somebody. And you're not from the bottom. And you tell somebody, hey, I know so-and-so. And the people from that neighborhood, if they know a person, that they, they, they let you slide, right? Yeah, so it. I wanted to go ahead and jump in. So when somebody said, hey, you know what? I know Clever, they could leave them, uh, you know, let them slide like my carnalito also, right? So right. they could get that, that free card to walk around the neighborhood um, too. But it right. was predominantly, you know, what I felt about was respect, power, and pride. And that's what I wanted, homie.
0: Right. But – after after you joined the gang how quick did it uh take you to learn that okay now i got i i'm i'm part of this hood i'm part of the barrio but now and i have a, i have a lot more enemies now <laughs>
1: right yeah it was like that homie, because there was a gang there was a gang of barrios right yeah, there Yeah, there was a time where um you know even before i joined the, the barrio, you know we had like those little tag crews going on right. and there was this time like in the early 90s where um a lot of tigers started getting jumped into the to the barrios And there right. was a lot of barrios coming down on us in a certain street and said, you know what, you guys are going to jump into our neighborhood. And we were like, nah, because it was, you know, we're pretty much hanging out right in the MS-13 territory. Right. And then we made that decision. But as soon as we got jumped in, me and the homies, it was two homies, we got jumped in, and um, everybody found out, like, all oh, these fools got into MS, and right, hell right. no. Nah. So now it was on, right? Everybody started coming down on us, but now we weren't scared to go against the Vargas because now we were from the from from MS. You now we were up. fighting back, so we weren't. We were like, Shh, you're not gonna come down and punk us anymore, right? We felt that sense of a respect, power, and pride. But after, but when we got jumped in for a week, you know, there was a few. There was a couple of us that we were like, man, homie, we made the the bad mistake because now mm-hmm. we could chill in the MS 13 territory, but now we can't freaking go anywhere else, right? Oh. To Go tell anybody else because all the other bodies know where we're we're from now. So it was almost like a marriage. It was almost like a love and hate relationship. When you get with a hyena, you get with her in the beginning, and you're like, oh, man, you know, this. I didn't know this hyena. You know, it's not going to work out. And then it starts to work out, and then you start falling in love with this hyena, and then you start willing to die for this hyena. You start willing to do anything for this person. And that's how me and MS-13 work.
3: Right. But,
0: I mean, your name, Clever, um, I think to a point, you were a clever guy because you kind of knew at a young age, "Hey, dude, I think I'm making a mistake." But you know, by that time, you're already into it, right? And you just, and you're just going with the with the flow.
1: Yeah, you know what, homie, it was. Um, it became an addiction lifestyle after it, and it was just a, it was just a flow. And before, I used to get shot at, right? I used to get into some fights before I was from MS, also, right? You know what I'm saying? And. But when I got into the barrio, then it started to become norm- more normal and more normal and more normal. Where after a couple of months or like a month, it was just another day at the office for me. Right. It was just like an everyday thing, you know? Right.
0: And it was, it was, a, it was a war zone out there. I mean, you, if you can name some of the gangs that were out there, I mean, off the top of my head, I think uh, you, had, you had Drifters out there, you had 18th Street out there. Uh, what else? What other gangs were out there?
1: So you had Drifters, 18th Street, you had a slime, you had Playboys. You had um Mid City, right. right? You had all the, we had you know, Clanton and people that was, you know, going towards more of that way. Well those were the surrounding barrios um around us. And, and the tricky part is that some of us that um that we got jumped in, you know, some different tigers got jumped in and everything. Right. So we knew each other too. Right. Right. But we knew yeah. each other like spaces that got into Playboys. I mean, we were friends and everything. And um, now we had to bang against each other because now we're from different barrios.
0: Right, and you guys knew each other, so it was kind of easier to know that's my enemy now.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. That's uh, that's exactly how it went down.
0: And uh, how many, how how deep were the gangs back in those days when you were out there? I mean, if let's say on a Friday night, if you're driving to an enemy's neighborhood, how many guys could you catch outside?
1: Man, there was a gang of everybody was deep back then, man. You know, there was a. there wasn't too much to do in those barrios, you know, like youth programs or, you know, something that will keep you away from a gang. So every a gang of people wanted to, to um to join the barrio. Everybody wanted to be at a party. Right. Everybody wanted to say, "Hey, you know what, Dan, That's my homie Clever. That's my homie Smokey or Flaco, and this and that." So there was a gang of people all the time, deep in all kinds of different um, in all kinds of different neighborhoods. You know, it, it was almost like. It was as deep as the party line. Remember the party line back in the day?
0: And <laughs> <call> <laughs> hey, he talks shit at the party line, homie. Where you from?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's on the party line, homie. That's how the, that's how the street... Uh, that's how the
0: streets were, man.
1: That's how the streets were. The only time when the streets weren't as deep is when they came out with this Fox News channel when they started like promoting like the tag banging and the yeah. gangs. Yes, yes. You know, everybody at 10 o'clock, homie, all those streets, they were clear for that hour, man. Everybody went home to... To watch to see if your oh, body was oh, is that what they they were do-
0: <laughs> that's right that's right so uh so you 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 you're in, you're in the neighborhood how how often were you seeing because like i said that area was just very highly gang activity in there how often would you see funerals going on not just in your neighborhood but other when you would hear of other guys dying out there during that 90s era
1: oh man you know in the beginning with my homies it was um you were in shock in the beginning right, right. but then again I remember being um people dying right before I even joined the neighborhood it was just it 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 just happened in the barrio where there was gangs or not right it was just right. violence and um but yeah, I remember going to a lot of funerals, a lot of enemies you know you see, you see them walking around with the with the homie on the shirt or you go to school and they're wearing somebody's brother or somebody's sister um died, but people were getting popped just left and right homie and that became more normal too, right? Seeing people die in the beginning, for me, it was like, man, I was just with the homie yesterday. I just talked to him. Right. And then after a while, when people just kept dying and dying, it just became normal. I wasn't even shocked anymore. Not that I didn't care. It was just normal.
3: Right,
0: right. So so when did you start now make the transition to uh, where you, you, I saw you at a young age, man. You're on the Gerardo Rivera and you're as a young guy, actually started becoming somewhat of a mentor to young kids to try to pull them out the gang life. How did how did you get to that transition in life?
1: Well, you know what? It, it took some stints to to get locked up, right? Okay. It, it took it took some stints to uh, get locked up. But you know, I remember being locked up in um in juvenile in juvenile hall, and then right there you have to fight a uh, again. So I was really dipping into the the gang stuff it just wasn't um you know i was in it for a few months and i want to make this transition right, right. first i had to indulge my stuff, myself with this gang stuff and see what the limit was for me so i remember being locked up in central juvenile hall los Padrinos, silmar and just getting down right there i went to one camp and uh my first camp i think i had to do like six months and, and if i did good for for three months they will they will let me out and i went right. to camp baffle bar and you're right there getting down with the enemies right there, like in the, in the gym or when you're doing KP, you're fighting with right, them. And I got right, a right. from that camp. Then they sent me to uh, Camp Gonzalez to the box. I got ah, a foul from the box from right, fighting right, right there. Right. You know, and then they shot me to Camp Rocky. Camp Rocky didn't want me. Okay. And then they shot me to uh, Camp McNair. And then in Challenger, then Camp McNair. I got in a few more fights right there. And then they shot me. I picked up an assault case right there. And they shot me to the California Youth Authority to okay. SR, um, SRCC, right? Right. And I know you've been a YA, right? Yeah, so now in Norwalk. It's right. Now it's different right there in, in, um, in Norwalk. Now it, it was a different style of fighting with the enemies because if you fight on site, they consider you to be like a leva because the staff could break up the fights.
3: Right, to, right.
1: So a lot of times what we do right there when you were um, doing, you know, like the, like the detail right there, you're mopping or you're sweeping. A lot of homies, including myself, we used to get the spray bottle and start spraying people's um, cells, right? Like the right. toilet and the and the sink, right? To, uh, right. To clean it, and then the staff was all the way back there. So if you're gonna get down with somebody, that fool already knew that you're gonna that you were gonna right. run in. So I remember with the spray bottle, spraying, 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 and as soon as I get to that fool's um to that fool's room, to that fool's cell, and I know the staff is over there. Then bam, we started. Yeah, running. Getting cingazos, um right there, and people are making noises. And, um, you know, that's how you're getting down and down and down. And then I got shot out to, uh, to YTS.
2: Okay. Right?
1: I was 18, and they shot me to YTS, and I was like, man, homie, how the hell are you going to shoot me to YTS? I thought <laughs> we were going to going. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah, like, yeah, of course.
2: I'm
1: like, me, the first guy, not even going to send me to El Paso or Ned. Yeah,
2: yeah. She to, YTS. to
1: TS. And they're all like, yeah, you got to go. You got too many fights over here. And then you go to YTS, homie. You have fools on Swole. I was like, man, yeah, did you know this work here, homie? Or they locked up here.
0: Yeah, you got the grown know, ass homie. man over there.
1: There was some grown ass man, homie, with the brochas, and <laughs> you're like, what the <laughs> hell? How old are these fools, man? Was like 24, 23. Yeah, yeah, like one homie. of the youngest battles there. Yeah. I was like, I was like 18 years old. And, right. and then when I got there, it was kind of like a different stilo because yeah. um I saw MS member homies, like my older homies right there, you know, they were talking to 18th Street guys. They had already been through Meles, they had already been through Paso, they had already got down 10, 15 times with each other. So when I got to YTS, it wasn't all that, um, it was starting to slow down gangbanging wise and it was more of Raza, um, more of Raza unity.
0: Right, it was more racial boundary lines over there is what it was.
1: Right exactly, so right there if you got a problem with somebody right there, you know you you handle it right there in the center, of course, you have fools that get down right there in the in the main line and then you have riots that you know you have right. to, you have to jump in those, those were just the the regulars um right there, but I think to answer to start answering your question from the beginning, right. I think that's what I started seeing you know like man, these okay. fools over here you know they're they're, they're talking to each ah, other okay even with each other, I was already like nineteen or or I did a few. I did a stretch. I was supposed to do three months, and I did a, a few years for that, right.
2: man,
1: for the fights. And I saw everybody just, you know, I saw. Th- that's the first time that I saw the camaraderie right. between um, between raza, right? And um, and then when we went to uh, to the the counseling sessions, right?
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: That supposed to write down your stuff for the parole board and everything like that. Um, I remember going into one of those counseling sessions, and I was clowning around. I was clowning the the, the therapist. I even threw a chair to get <laughs> right. a reaction right from everybody. <laughs>
3: right, right. And I right.
1: Them, everybody was kind of shaking their head. You know, everybody was older. You know, they like 23, 24, twenty three, twenty four, whatever. They were all M numbers, right? They were like, right. "I don't know, were down for for murder." They would. They had 60, 70, 80 years. They were just right. waiting to catch the cadena to right to the pin. You know, so. During that time, you know, I thought people were gonna laugh. Like, you know, in camp, that's what you did. In Juvenile Hall, that's what you did. But the next time I came to the to one of those to one of those juntas again, those therapy sessions, yeah. I just sat down and I didn't say nothing because I wanted to see everybody steal And the stealer from these older fools, they were just right there. They had a mouthpiece on them, homie. They could be some, they could have been some motherfucking politicians. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, no the they were answering questions like like they already did these therapy sessions thousands of times, right? They could have ran the class if they wanted to. Yes. But it consisted right there in those therapy sessions of who could have the most game. A gang of them were lying, lying <laughs> like a motherfucker.
3: Right, right. They didn't
1: even have to lie because they were doing life. But between them, that was the competition of who had the best mouthpiece to convince the therapist that, damn, this fool could talk. He's very right. educated. He's very smart. Right, so when right. it was my turn to talk, you know, it was like that movie Will Smith when he says pass, right? When, when <laughs> You know, like the superhero and shit?
3: Yes, yes, yes.
1: And I was like, yeah, I pass. But I saw everybody talking little by little. I started talking. I started seeing what these fools um, were were saying, right? They were just smart.
2: Right. And then
1: when I was going to parole board, I remember asking one of them, um, hey, homie, um, you know, if, if the parole board asked me, are you still from MS? I mean, I'm still from it, you know. I'm still gang banging. I told them, um, what am, what should I tell them? He started laughing. He was like, bed, he was like, fool. You better tell them you're not. You're not gonna go home."
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right,
1: right. And hey, hey, and that's the first time that I heard myself in the parole board, saying, nah, I'm not from MS." Right, right. You know, and then they were all like, "Wow, you got you, you don't you don't have so many write-ups. How did you change?" And I think a lot of the stuff also, you know, it, it was an unfortunate situation that happened because when I was right there in YTS, um, there was the staff lady. She got killed by one of the inmates, right? This was that. like in 95, 96. So what he did, right. he was folding clothes and he brought her to a laundry room and he choked her out. And he, back then, that's when the trash bags were, were, were black, right? You couldn't see through them. And he threw her in the laundry cart. And one of his homies, you know, helped her, um, you know, helped her throw in the laundry cart and they told one of the "Us, Hey, we got to throw out the trash. So they threw out the trash and she was in the laundry cart. And the next day, you know, her husband, um, I think that's what, that's what I heard that her husband calls and say, Hey, you know what? My wife didn't come home today. Right. She didn't right. come home today. And, um, So they start, they put us on a lockdown. They start checking for body parts in all the celdas, right? They put us on lockdown. They start checking for body parts. And then the Pomona dumpster, because this was my TS and Chino, the Pomona dumpster calls and says, hey, your, I think one of your COs is right here, right? She she was in her outfit. And we went on lockdown. They shot all the M numbers out, you know, and it was a fortunate situation that happened, you know, and um. You know, we went on lockdown for for like a year. We went on lockdown for like a year. They took all the weights. They shut yeah, every,
0: everything. Everything you know, was gone. To
1: the, to the pin, you know. And during that time in my cell, I had a lot of time to think. I started reading a lot of books. I started um, educating um, myself during that lockdown. And I was like, man, is this what I want my life to? To be, But at the same time, I was still gangbanging. But that seed was already planted no, in me. Okay. I started getting that mouthpiece of hearing myself bullshit this therapist of saying, yeah, I'm a change man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm a change man. I could change. Yeah, this is bad. I have empathy for this person. When I get out, I started saying, when I get out, I'm going to be a, a, a good member to society. When I get out, you know, I'm, I'm going to work the best on my relationships. I'm going to be- work the best on my anger. And, this is, and your brain doesn't understand what's going on because throughout this other time, you've been, you've been feeding your brain, MS-13, MS-13, la fuck my enemy. And what's this for looking at? What's this for looking at? So now when you started to feed your brain all this other um, information, it starts to expand, right? It doesn't know mm-hmm. that you're lying, right? So mm-hmm. when I got out... You know, I was still gang-banging, though, homie, and I was still gang-banging. It took a few more violations right. to, uh, to come out, right? Uh, to, uh, I got locked up. I went back to White Tears for a couple more years. Okay. I went to a centro, to a, a drug recap for, like, six months. Right. And then when I finally started to decide to get out, is my homeboy, um, Alex Sanchez. He was, from, he was an OG from the barrio. And he started to talk about Homies Unidos, right? The organization that I work with now. That's right. And I just got out like 20, 21 or something. I was right in the street corner and he approached me with the Homies Unidos thing. And I was like, what is that, homie? What are you talking about? You know, but I had already planted that seed with when, when, right. when the White when, yes, stuff of all that talk.
3: Right, that was right.
1: Him, right. And hearing myself talk. So. I was all like, man, I'll give it a try. But at the beginning, I was like, nah. But it took an OG from my barrio that I looked up to when I was young to say, you know what? If this who's saying that it's not worth it, then why am I gonna waste my time? In 2021, twenty twenty one, I've been to YA and everything. I don't wanna do life in um. In prison. And then when I was in that street corner. I used to I looked up at my apartment building through the window. My carnalito was looking at me through that window, homie. Uh, it was the same trip out because it was uh, the same way, homie. When I was looking out through the window and seeing the guys from MS with the respect, power, and pride, you know? Right, and I looked brother. because where we lived in Korea town, there's a gang of buildings. And there's a section that looks like New York. Yes. There's a gang of buildings and it's just windows and windows and balconies and people's just staring at you. Everybody's just staring at you. So it was like it was like crazy when I saw other little kids also looking at me. I was like, man, that's crazy. I became that fool in the corner that, um, that I wanted to be like. Now they want to be like me. So it was yeah. kind of like cycle of, of, of violence where, you know what? I'm going to give it a chance, you know? And, 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 and you know, Alex, is all like, hey, we got food too, homie. I'm like, shit, let's go. <laughs>
2: that's
0: right. That's right. So then, so, so Alex, Alex was a straight OG from your neighborhood that you used to look up to, right?
1: Yeah, yeah yeah all right
0: it was. all right so then so then keep going with what's what's going on now you're you're 21 22 years old alex got at you so how did it keep how he did it keep growing
1: me. yeah he got at me and then we went to uh so it wasn't in a, in, in a basement in a church you know it didn't have no religious affiliation or nothing it was just a church that let us use the 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 basement and it was like the same from YTS, the <laughs> therapy specialist. Yeah, so I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. I got this shit, homie. You know, <laughs> I started leading the group. You know what I'm saying? I started leading the group. That's you right. know, because this is the people's first time, right? And there was people. There was like movie stars, like actors that came, and they were teaching us like poetry and um and all kinds of different names. They w- they had these games like Cat Wants a Corner. It was like musical chairs. Like man, I ain't playing that shit. What you mean playing Cat Wants a Corner, homie? It, it was just <laughs> so I had to name it. Homie wants a corner, you know okay, what I'm saying? Okay, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. keep it real. It's kind of like
1: a communication icebreaker again. Yeah, so yeah, you, had yeah. to, you had to make it look feeling for the homies to yes. attract it, right, yes. for them to come. It's sometimes yes. like the way you're speaking to a homie or the way you, you're talking, sometimes you got to relate with them in some certain type of style for them to relate to you. Absolutely. So during this time, check it out, there was these – um, there was a gang of white people that came, you know, to the group, and that was the first time that I saw white people in my neighborhood that weren't cops or weren't teachers, right? right. Or or um, weren't there to tell us, you know what, you guys are bad, you know what I'm saying? So we started expressing ourselves without using drugs and uh, and violence. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted to hear your story. So that respect, power, and pride that the got in the barrio, I, uh, I started getting it when, at a young age, I started taking me to like colleges to go speak. That's you know nice. what I'm saying? There was this guy, his, his name was Tom, Tom Hayden he was a senator you know what I'm saying and he was married to this to this famous actress uh Jane Fonda he passed away you know a a couple years ago unfortunately but I didn't know who he was you know what I'm saying and he uh he told me Hey, clever I I saw you speak you know I want you to come see me you know I want to take you to uh to come chill and I'm like all right so he took me to this it was like this auditorium there was a few thousand people and I was like man who's this fool you know Right. And I knew who he was, but I didn't know his the extent. He was like a nineteen sixties activist. You know what I'm saying? Right. That um he did a lot of a lot of good um political stuff for, for Democrats and you know, right. people like that. So when he was speaking, there was a few thousand people and in the middle of speech he said, You know what? I brought uh, before I forget, I brought my 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 friend Clever. He said Clever,
3: <laughs> right?
1: He's, uh, so he's identifying with me right
3: yeah, of course. He's, that,
1: he's identifying me trying to make me feel comfortable as, as i as, as i turned older that's what i understood
3: right
1: and my homeboy my, my friend clever he's getting out of gangs and helping other people get out of gangs as um as well so he put me after the work that i was starting to uh to do i wasn't fully about it yet right but right. i was starting to do it and he was like stand up clever and I'm, like, and I'm like, damn! You know, I was like, I stood up, and the spotlight hit me, and people started standing up and clapping, homie. You know right what I'm up. saying, like clapping. And I'm like, damn! Right there, too, homie. I felt a sense of belonging. I felt respect, power, and pride. And I felt all that stuff without having to do something bad, homie, That's Without right. having to go to jail for it.
3: That's right? right. That's right. So I
1: started seeing, man, what else? What else could I do from here around these um these people? You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it just grew and, and grew more and more where I started being more about homies unidos and helping other people. And that took away time for me hanging to hang around in that street corner. Because a lot right. of times, even when you were gangbanging, nobody's gangbanging 24-7, homie. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of times, you're hanging around that street corner to see what's going to pop off. Yeah, you you're know waiting what I'm saying? for it. Or, or, yeah, exactly. You're just bored or something's going to happen. So I started feeling that time. With, with, with different things. Now I had a schedule, right? I had a positive schedule that wasn't making my jefita cry, wasn't making my grandma cry, wasn't sending me to send me, sending me to, um, jail. And then I saw other homies also wanting to change, right? And right. It just, it, then, then that became an addiction lifestyle. And during that process, because when you get out of a barrio, you get out of a gang, it's about, okay, you're going to take my barrio away. you're saying that you don't want me to be part of a gang. Okay, well, what do you got for me? You know what I'm saying? So during that time, it was the homies to needles and the fight, you know what I'm saying? That energy that you have, you know, everybody has that fight within you. What do you want to fight against? It could be a fight, you know, to get your college degree or graduate. Right. Or it could be any type of fight. And during that time, um, the LAPD rampart crash scandal was, was during that time where there was these corrupt officer, right. officers that were stealing drugs from their, from their evidence room right. and selling them on the street for profit. And there was a gang of those hooders that were corrupt in the crash unit that didn't like us, right? They still believe that we were from the barrio' We nah, nah, were not. I mean, they didn't care. You now, nah, for for know what
0: people for people who don't know what the crash unit is, explain to us what, somewhat in your best words, what the crash unit is and was.
4: It's a place where people work and live. Its population increasingly immigrants from Central America, many of whom are undocumented. It's a place where gang life is pervasive.
1: Like I said, if you were in New Hills or Brentwood, all you guys would have been known as a club or fraternity or stuff like that because of the way you look, you're known as gang members. All the violence, they got to play in a sunburn.
4: In a church basement inside the Rampart Police District, a group of young people are fighting to change their lives.
1: But they're just a gang with the law on their side.
4: This is Gerardo Lopez. His street name is Clever. And he stepped in as the leader of the group, Homies Unidos, Homeboys and Girls unite. We want to be a lawyer, we want to be a Do you want to be a, a, a fireman, or something, a businessman. Which the church sponsored group reaches out to rampart Salvadoran gangs. Its mission to get gang members to renounce violence and find alternatives to aggression. So, as a gathering
2: group, we will fight for our rights to let LAPD know that we are not alone.
4: Their poems tell of a conflict they cannot escape the constant antagonism between gangs and cops that's at the heart of the LAPD scandal. As I walk down the street
2: going towards Normandy, I get stopped by a crash, and my heart starts beating fast, just thinking when I get framed or beat up.
4: You would think that a group like Homos Unidos that renounces violence would be welcome, even encouraged by an anti-gang unit like Crash. Instead, they allege they became the prime targets, subjected routinely to harassment, arrest, and abuse. Is he a murderer? No, he's not. He's not a murderer. Alex Sanchez, another person caught up in the LAPD scandal, is founder of Homies Unidos in L.A. And a former gangbanger himself. He has spent years showing kids an honest way out of gang life. He also swears that at the moment of the murder, Jose was in the church right by his side.
2: Well, we found out that the homicide actually took place around 8.30. And um, he was with us during that time of the program. I mean, he never left us, he always stood to the last
4: minute. Sanchez tried to come forward to help Jose, but he says the police found a way to make sure he could not. Do you think you're here because you're an alibi witness? Yes. Here in a U.S. immigration detention center in San Pedro, California, Sanchez, an undocumented immigrant from El Salvador, now faces deportation. Alex believes he was targeted, not only because he's an alibi witness, but also because of the work he was doing with the gangs.
2: I was actually educating this youth. And actually, they were, uh, the youth were speaking out. They were uh, filing complaints. You know, the times that they have been harassed and actually beaten up. You
4: became a threat to the cops. Yes. Alex Sanchez's case points to a larger issue, allegations that crash cops colluded with immigration agents to get suspected gang members off the streets and out of the country. It is one more suspect police tactic revealed by the scandal and it is against the law. Alex Sanchez is the case in point. And it caught the attention of State Senator Hayden. Clearly, um, elements of the INS have been cooperating for a very long time with elements of the police department in their own little campaign to throw people out of the country. That's what's going on. That's in violation of law. That's in violation of uh, procedure. In fact, the city council passed Special Ordinance 40 to stop police from taking immigration law into their own hands. Cops are not allowed to initiate an action based on someone's undocumented status. But that is exactly what his supporters say happened to Alex Sanchez. In Alex's case, I think it's that he stands for all that they deny a reformed person, a rehabilitated person, a nonviolent person um, who can actually do things that the police have not been able to do. I believe it wasn't for Alex Sanchez. I would have been in
1: jail doing life, twenty-five to life. I would have probably been killed. You know, the citizens never believed all oh, your stories about the cops. Exactly. With this story, this is something that hopefully this Rampart scandal, um, it, it hopefully it starts opening um, people's eyes. So Rampart Crash is community resources against street hoodlums. So that's the that's the unit that was in charge of arresting um, gang members, right, or going after the the gang members.
3: Yes, yes, yes.
1: But as, as time went on, these guys started acting like a gang themselves. Absolutely. They would, they would get black guys that would say Rampart on it with the skull, and they would get playing cards too. Like let's say an ace of spades would consist that you shot somebody, you killed a gang <laughs> wow. member, and then, you know, the, the cards of what you did go down the, the line. So they got um, – when a lot of that stuff broke loose was when – they shot this guy from 18th Street, and they yeah. planted a shotgun um, right next to him, and he got paralyzed. And right. and um, they they try to say that he shot at the hudas, and he ended up getting a uh, life in prison. Right. right. And then when this rampart stuff came out, then um. You know he, you know the the called Rafael Perez. Right. He was the whistleblower right there, and he said, you know, there's there's this case over here that um where we framed this guy too, right? And he ended up getting out of jail and he got like a big million dollar... Um, Correct. settlement. But there was hundreds of cases, um, homie, that were, that were overturned because of the Rampart crash stuff. And um, we were just one of the people, like when you're saying that I was walking down the street with Gerardo Rivera. Yes. Um, you know, Tom Hay and other people said, why don't you expose the stuff that's going on in the barrio? Right. And for me, it was a trip because for me, homie, it was something normal to me. It was I was it, it was a trip that that they didn't that a lot of the media people didn't know or just, you know, they acted like they didn't know. Right. But I just started saying an everyday thing from the from the from the rampart crash. You know, they will arrest me. You know, they will take me to alleys and beat me up. Wow. Sometimes, you know, when I was get arrested by the rampart, hudas, they told me, hey, Claire, we got a list of gang members from different barrios, from different hoods. We go down that list every weekend, and we say, okay, we're going to get this food. We're going to get this food. Jeez, foods. You know? And they stopped me that one night and said, hey, man, you're on the list. I'm like,
3: <laughs> shit.
1: man, what are these foods going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? You can't run. Yeah, you're yeah, right yeah. there. This was got and everything. Everybody yeah, already yeah. I'm like, damn. So, they, you know, they put me in the back, and then they, uh, they're like, we're going to play a game with you. You know, so let's see. Let's see. We'll see you tomorrow. So what they did, they just took me to their station for a few minutes. And uh, they didn't let me get a phone call or nothing. And they were all like, all right, bye. You're gone. Could I couldn't get my phone call. This was the time there was no cell phones. You know, Right,
3: right. You
1: know, Pick me up. And they let me read, I mean, at that station right there, homie, you, oh, got, you got all kinds of different neighborhoods. Crazy writers, 80s. You're like, damn, homie. Rockwood. Go you got everybody this. right there. So it was like it was like that uh that TV show Survivor, homie, just trying to get out <laughs> of the neighborhood.
0: Cholo Survivor, <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and, uh, shit. And, uh, I think that she was cholo survival I was like, Survivors. man, there's no way that I'm going to make it out of here You don't have nothing, homie mm-hmm. And every cholo, homie, you know what I'm saying every, If you were in a barrio, homie, in a gang, in the hood or whatever You ran, homie yeah. At some point, homie, yeah, you ran yeah, That's why like, you're probably still here Or at some point, homie, you weren't this tough cholo 24 I mean, there was times when you feel for your life and you, yeah, when, I course. don't know one homie that got shot at and that what just stood there. He probably yeah. stood there if he was drunk or high. He,
2: oh, he was him. drunk, I'm yeah,
3: yeah,
1: yeah. And nothing's going to happen to him. I'm just, hell not. Who's were freaking ducking, homie.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, Those for sure.
1: Everybody bro. was running. So doing that stuff, I'm like, man, I just get to one point and somebody hits you up and and um, But it was a traquetero, somebody slammed drugs. Hey, Jay, ¿qué va a And right there, you can't say no. He like, la maras la trucha.
3: Right.
1: And he just opens his eye like, that. this this was lying. And then he saw, <laughs> I had a back here before. He right. He was like, oh, okay, a aquí. He started whistling, homie. <laughs> I was wrong, <gone>, boy. <laughs> it was like, a moving, homie. You see all kinds yeah. of cars chasing me. Yeah, like dude. Hopping fences and everything. So the, and and then you pass another body over there, you see a bunch of cholos over there. Yeah, right? yeah. It was in the park, and they seeming you're all cholored out, and you're running and everything. Oh, they're trying on you. To just, Yeah, they were on me. Huh? I'm trying <laughs> to get into taxis and everything. These taxi fools went up the door and nothing, dog. I'm all like, damn, yeah. everybody's just staring at I me. Mean, these fools are coming. You know, so you're fighting with one, and then boom, you know, the other fool catches up. You're fighting with that fool. And then you're you're running because you can't stay there, you know. Right, and continue right. to with everybody. You're gonna get your punches in and get yours in, and right. continue to run. Right, and you pass right. one barrio, and i remember running through another barrio, And there was a gang of fools right in the MacArthur Park right there. Home yeah, yeah,
2: the yeah. Park.
1: It was divided into four different sections with the four different um, bodies. Yeah, so as right. So as I'm running right there, they start coming, and I'm all uh, like, "Damn, what do I tell these fools not to, to start coming my way?" You know. <laughs> so I start um. Uh, you know, in the neighborhood, what's the number one thing that you scream for? everybody to just to start running, you start screaming, I know, 5, la
0: oh, five oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> 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 That's one of those
1: scary stories of surviving, you know homie. I mean? Yes, there you uh, go. go. like, hey, homie, La Jura. we <laughs> got like, go, There we go. They're like, gracias.
3: <laughs> ah, that
0: was the safe word. Say La Jura, that was right. It that's was the funny.
1: And yeah. you know what? It, and then I ran to my neighborhood. And you know MS is big, and you know as soon as you run to one neighborhood, right? They're like, "Oh man, it's safe now." Nah, it was like, <laughs> "Shit!" I feel like I was in paradise in a gang-infested neighborhood. Right. When I started seeing other, they didn't, you know, it was you know, it, it was a, a Coronado click, right there by um by Rampart, and they're like, "What's up, we're Clever. "Oh, Clever, what's up, homie?" On the, on the, you, you you start to know other people, and then you call the other homies, and they, no, you actually stay and drink and get high with them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Then you call the other homies, and you go to your your own click, but it was the same shit that happened when they would drop off enemies in our territory. We would do the same shit to them and they'll be running too.
0: Now that you mentioned the Coronado click, I know exactly that's sad because I I worked on a building right there. It's it's next to like, I don't know if it's a social security office or some kind of place, but at 7-Eleven. Do you guys ever have, and I heard and I want to see if it's true or not, inner beefs between your guys' clicks? Of MS, or did you guys always get along, or were you guys actually ever beef with each other?
1: No, I mean, there was a there was a big war between MS in '90. Um, believe it was in '95. That's okay. when I was in White T S. All right. And there was a war um, between some some street, right? Right. You know, some fools were about dealing dope. Other right. fools weren't about dealing dope. They were just about, you know, gang banging and representing. Right. And the certain click, it wasn't their click, you know, so a certain click came and said, you know what, go to your click. And these guys they didn't want to give up that that spot. So right. there was a lot of you know, a lot of OGs from MS that they got killed during that time. There was a lot of um, you know, people that got arrested too. You know, people right. got arrested for those um for those crimes. So that and there's people that just stopped gangbanging. You know what right. I'm saying? They stopped gang, gang banging because they didn't wanna be a, a, they didn't want to kill another another person from their own body they, they
0: right? didn't want to be part of the civil war
1: yeah they, exactly you know saying from from within you know and you're in YA and I'm hearing all this stuff that's wow. um
0: wow, so that's going
1: happen. on clicks are just going at it against clicks you wow. know? and um and I'm like damn so when I got out um the stuff had already zimmered off and people right. were getting along before I got locked up you see you know at a certain street corner you know nine ten 15 homies at a certain right. block and when I got out it was one or two homies um just just hanging out sometimes the rampart just to stop me and say, damn, Trevor, what happened to your to your neighborhood that that um guerra that you guys had between each other killed it off and I was like damn that's that's true and then the war on gang happened the, right. the war on gangs when the FBI did the war on gangs
3: right um,
1: you know, they, in like in 2000 or something, they needed the perfect villain. You know what I'm saying? They needed the perfect villain, and I think that MS was that villain because they had the face tattoos, you know. It was predominantly people from um, from El Salvador, right? It, re- it originated in Los Angeles, but it was a lot of right. people from El Salvador. So they started portraying these images on the news of the MS member, and a lot of these images consisted of people that were in these prisons in El Salvador that had never even stepped foot into the United States. You know what I'm saying? Right. And um, they started promoting every crime that MS did, and they started putting it on the media. Yes. If you promote every crime from any barrio, it could also be the world's biggest and most dangerous gang because you're putting it up in the pedestal, right? So after that, I think that's when the barrio MS started to – to up its numbers more because you know it was um it was per- the National Geographic started coming right. out the world's biggest and most dangerous um right. gang, right? And um and there was body was just as crazy in in LA, right? right yes, so it could have been any neighborhood, it was just the MS 13 got chose to get promoted in that um in that type of way, you know?
0: Yeah, so it's instead of helping out, what it what it did, it fueled the membership to the gang and, it, and actually made the gang much bigger than than the gang would have been by by showing MS. It it was like free promotion for the gang,
3: right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Then you get kids in schools or people that wanna join gangs. you know, they're like, Well, what gang do you wanna be from? I wanna be from the what's being portrayed as the biggest and most um and the most deadliest. You know kind what I'm saying? The- so yeah, that's pretty much what it did, and that's the stuff that we're starting to see again.
0: But, but you know what, people, you know what people don't see there, Gerardo, is people seem to think that gangs started like in El Salvador. Gangs started in Mexico, you know, and right. th- that could be the farthest thing from the truth, right?
1: No, absolutely. Well, you know, gangs started in in you in, know in Los Angeles, right? right? I mean, it even started with uh, you know if you start going back into history, it even started with. Uh, in the Great Depression, yeah. where the Great Depression happened, you know, way back in, in the days, and then the immigrants were blamed again for, for yes. taking the people's jobs, you know? Yes, yes. But the immigrants started to get um deported, right? And right. then the immigrant came and it was the you know the Mexican with the with the Chicano kid that right. was being so It was the same thing that happened with Mess. Someone was a Chicano kid being bullied in school. Yeah. Right? They were called uh, you know, all kinds of derogatory um names and they right. wanted they want they, they didn't want to get bullied they wanted to be a part of somebody so they started banding um together also you know what i'm saying that's how they you know it, it was the zoot things yeah. you know that, that they came with the, the, the pachuco was the one yes. yeah the pachuco the zoot then they were being portrayed as the animal right they Lord. were being portrayed as this is the bad person and yeah. they were being portrayed as this is the person in the news like when you go down to history of the Zuzu riots. It should be called like the freaking um the the, the military rights because it, it was the suit people that were being assaulted. Yes. Right. Yes, brother, the, yes. the women were being raped on broad daylight. You know, these yes. battles they were getting their head cut off by the by the military, um
3: the navy people,
1: what was it, the, 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 the navy, the navy
3: right? yeah.
1: Right, or whatever, right? But in the news, what did you hear? It was the suit people of course, doing that. So, of course. you know, then you know, it it became into, you know, a, a movimiento and the you know, in the 60s, 70s, you know, where now it was organizations, you know, it was like like, like movements. And then these movements started to um, getting infiltrated by the FBI, right, by yeah. the government. So they started locking up all these leaders. So now you didn't have no leaders within the, the body of the neighborhood. Right. They locked up our dads, right? They locked up our leaders. Now we started making our own shit up, right? right. Now we started making um, our gangs up, right? It right. was almost like the children of the corn. You know what I'm saying? Or, or the Lord of the Flies. Lord homie, of the Flies, you
3: know yeah.
1: Homie. You start doing your own things. And you start saying, you know what? Um, we're going through the same struggles. You know what I'm saying? But your barrio is different from my barrio, right? Your tattoo or the letters are different. And you're already living in poverty. You, don't, you have no feria. You probably grew up without a jefe. You know what I'm saying? You have a single mom that's on welfare. You got all this stress already of trying to choose your identity of who of, of, of who the fuck am i you right. know what i'm saying and you start the hurt people homie hurt other hurt people yes, right sir. and there's a gang of hurt people in the neighborhood yes, so sir. you're not going to drive you know to suburbia to go hurt somebody you're going to hurt the, the, the closest person to you and you're going to look for some type of um of difference within you and that right. could be a color a number a barrio, right And you start to go at it against each other, even though your familia, your jefita, your jefito, your grandma are going through the same struggles, right? Your whole, you you guys are all going through the same struggles, but you find these. Differences when we feel that machismo yeah. is, you know what, homie, I gotta show this vato that my huevos are bigger than his. Yeah, brother.
0: Yeah. And then
1: brother. that leads to who's getting killed, that leads to incarceration, and then it goes to the same cycle, and the same cycle but we have morritos and kids yeah, growing brother. up without that father, yeah, growing brother. up without that father figure. And then they yeah. want that search of identity, homie, and they yeah. want that sense of belonging. And if this, and if the only place that they could get it in a gang or in a barrio, they're gonna to wanna to join that, right? Yeah. Because everybody wants to feel respected or loved or, or say, you know what? Damn, hey, that fool's somebody to clap at you, right? Some and you don't care if it's they're clapping at you for something right or wrong. You just want to get that sense of, you know what? That fool knows that I'm alive.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. You wanna be, you wanna be acknowledged, brother. And whether you're gonna be acknowledged by you know graduating at school or going to the joint, you're gonna you're gonna take what you got. What, what, the, what the neighborhoods offer you. And unfortunately, back then, the neighborhoods weren't offering anything to any young guys like you and I. Right,
1: exactly. I'm black
0: Let's get back on track here. <laughs> you, 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 no, that's great stuff, brother. Um, you,
1: yes, and my story goes to different rabbit holes. No, we, yeah, we got, got to. Like, hey, Clara, what are, are you at? We, like, okay, we, we, what's no, guy? no, <laughs>
0: we, we got to, man. But the thing is, we're barely chipping away at this thing, man. So uh, there's a saying that says, uh, no good deed goes unpunished, man. And that that's a saying that relates to your life 110%, man. You So now you're going through all this shit. You went to YA. You went through camps. You, you're you going through this. You come out after your neighborhood was was uh, having their own civil war. But now you've got somebody else that's on you worse than anybody else, which is uh, the Rampart Police Department. You yeah. you guys get into a lawsuit with them. Talk to me. What what happened with that? You guys ended up suing them as the Homies Unidos?
1: Yeah, so we ended up suing them. You know, they kept... Um you know they kept beating us up. Um, when we go to the Homies Unidos meetings, um, they would they would try to wiretap the meetings, or they would try to hide in the basement, wow. like in the closets, to surveillance what we were um, what we were doing. Right? right. Um, it wasn't. I mean, Homies Unidos was being more sought after by the Rampart Crash than MS. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, and that's when a lot of homies, a lot of dangerous minds that could have become positive minds. Some of them left the program because they're like, man, these fools are harassing me more when I'm not gangbanging than when I was, right? And sometimes I felt the same. You're trying to make this change, homie, but you continue to be punished for what you did in the past. And I was no angel, homie. I did some shit. I got arrested for it. I did my time for it. But it's the stuff where what happens when you start to change and. We got a lot of media attention. The I say, "Clever, you know, this media attention's gonna run out, and we're gonna come after your ass." Oh, wow! And the media attention ran out, right? I came out like a Time Magazine, Newsweek, Harold Rivera. The media attention ran out, yeah. And these dudes just parked outside my pad. I'm like, damn! And during that time, we had this lawsuit going, right. going, on, going on. They arrested Alex Sanchez. They're like, you know, what, if we get rid of this guy, that's the end of homies and and. You know, like Alex Sanchez being the guy, the OG guy from, right. that used to be from the mess. They got me, you know, they helped me get out. So they tried to deport him. So we started protesting, and they ended up letting him out like after eight months. And when he was getting out, I like, you know what? I think I'm a bounce. I had a homie that lived in Colorado, and uh, and I bounced over here to Colorado with my um, my son was like two, and then my my ex-wife also, and I thought that was that was that. And we ended up winning the lawsuit, you know, I was over here. You know, the attorneys were just, you know, keeping me in the, in the loop. Right. Uh, yeah, I went to school, and then I, I got a degree in criminal justice.
0: But uh, it, it didn't end there, though, uh, Gerardo. You, you moved to Colorado. There was, there was a buddy of yours that ended up moving over there to Colorado, too, no? Uh, a police officer. Yeah.
2: Well,
1: this <laughs> is the thing. <laughs> He's like, which buddy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll go into another, yeah, but I hear um, you. Yeah, so I moved to Colorado, and um, so I was already on FBI investigation when I was coming out of those uh, TV networks on me exposing the Rampart crash. Really? It was a, yeah, there was a study being done, but I forgot what university it was, but of the people that got their criminal cases overturned because of the Rampart crash scandal, yes. I think there was like 90-something percent got rearrested. Right, right, and, and it's a good thing to check. You know, I wonder if it was you know re-arrest just because they got a re-arrest, or did they also get framed, well, or was it retaliation? Right, was right, Now it was, right. Now it was re- retaliation, right? So there was a cop that came to to Colorado to follow me in two thousand and, um, and two, and you know he just started investigating me. But he he didn't tell the wiretap judge before they started wiretapping my phone that they followed me over here. You know, he just said that. He got news from an informant that I moved over here in 2006, right? And right. in 2009, he, sent, he said that's what – I was in a three-year investigation. But the reason that he hit all those other four years where I was here was because I wasn't doing nothing. You know, I didn't come over here. That was said that I came over here to start MS-13, that right. I was the leader of MS-13, right, that right. I was shot calling hits in prison, you know, in different states from, um, from MS. So it's crazy, right? Like, you get out. But these fools try to pull you back in and say, "Now, nah, yeah. homie, you're not, you ain't stopped gangbanging yet.
2: Right, right? right? Ain't nobody
1: right. from MS there to sweat me, you know, when I stopped gangbanging. Right. It was a lot of times, was the government was saying, "Now, nah, fool, we still need you, we still need your face to say, you know what, this is the bad guy, you ain't done yet. Right. So pretty much on paper, that's how he made me, um, made me see. Him. and then I got locked up, and um, I was getting out of my, my job, and you know, they closed down a highway, and the U.S. Marshals and the Feds. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, they arrested me. Like, what the hell? What's up? Like, oh, well, you got a federal warrant. I'm like, federal warrant? I didn't know what the hell that was.
2: Right, you know
1: right. You know? and, I was, and then they were all uh, like, well, you got a federal warrant. And then they went to interrogate me for like like six, seven hours, I think.
0: Hey, but at this time, you had no clue that you had been wiretapped for so many years, did
2: you?
1: No, no, nah, n- none of that the thing was that when I was in in court they had they only showed from 2006 to two th- 2009 my right. wiretaps they hit all the other wiretaps um before that cuz you know and the reason that they, they that they continued to you know wiretap me repeatedly was because this was the most um this was the most expensive case in Colorado history to um the resources that they put in and, you know, they had freaking right. jets following me around. They had a helicopter. Wow. I was doing that size. I remember seeing just freaking all kinds of different planes that all kinds of people just following me around oh, and They spent enormous uh, amount of, uh, of resources. Right. And then when I was, you know, when I was locked up, they said, uh, I was facing 48 years, oh, you wow. know, and I was like 48 years. I'm not like, God, damn, what the hell did I do? And I started reading my, my, my indictment. And I was like, this gotta be a mistake. Right, right, of course. My attorney, he was on uh, like, "Hey, just take a. I could probably get you about fifteen years or ten years." And Definitely didn't look at the case. I'm like, what, "What the hell for what?" Then I started looking at the indictment, and this fool, this kuda that, that followed me to Colorado, yeah. he he was investigating this other um. This these other fools that were allegedly slanging drugs in a city right. out here called Aurora. Okay. And they were Central American. So what he did. He converted them into MS-13 members, and all the dope that they found on them, he put that stuff on my indictment and said that I was the leader of that stuff with the other with the other alleged leader of that oh, ring, wow. um, that drug ring right there. So he com- he went to the grand jury and said that there were MS-13 members, and when I was in the feds and I got locked up, they came up to me, the guys from the other indictment, right. like, hey, man, we ain't from MS. They didn't know what the hell was going ah. on, right? They're like, hey, man, we ain't from MS, and I started laughing. I know <laughs> Some of those fools were from 18th Street, right? right. From different bodies, but they got—they were mad. They got converted into MS 13. Um, they got converted into MS 13 members.
0: What was your connection between those guys and you that the that the feds tried to say you guys were uh, in cahoots with each other that they were from MS?
1: So the connection was there was this other former MS 13 member that was the brother-in-law of. The guy that was number one from the from the uh, other alleged
3: trafficking right, right. Um,
1: ring, right? So he connected us.
3: That
0: was
1: the only, only connection he, you guys that's, had? That's the only connection that we had. Wow. We, in the, the 19,000 wiretap calls that they had on me, there was never a call between me or them. As a matter of fact, there was never a call for my indictment. To the indictment over there, they even started bringing lifers from MS from Pelican Bay there when the shoot just to make the indictment look good and bring one of wow. my kids. Wow! Right? And they were saying that I was trying to, that I was shooting drugs to Pelican Bay State Prison. That I was doing this, and I was like, you know, I was like, first of all, you can't even do that because when somebody sends you for a package for you to right. put some type of a a package, you, you don't do the package back then. You right. know, the format had already changed. They send you a slip. You know, you sign it or put some money, and then they shoot it to whatever warehouse, and they shoot it to them. So I got right. that one. I got that allegation dismissed easy. You know, but it was just the amount of stuff that they kept putting and um and putting on me, and and then the wiretaps. It consisted of me because every thirty days, the the feds need a an incriminating wiretap for me
2: right. to
1: continue wiretapping your phone.
2: Okay.
3: So
1: this guy, this Huda from from L.A there was nothing on me. So he would make these wiretap calls. Like when I would tell somebody, hey, come over home and we're going to have 10 pounds of carne asada, right? So he'll say the 10 pounds of the Coke and the carne is the drugs. Oh, man. So he'll continue to do that. There was another time, you know, where it was like a waiter, you know what I'm saying? I was like, and I told my homie, hey man, let's not go eat over there. I don't like the way, the way that waiter, he's always messing up our order. Let's go eat somewhere else. Right. So he would say the waiter was the connect oh, and he liked the quality of the drug. So it was just call after call after call there was another call where I was stopping the hit from taking place. You know, it's clearly right there in the wiretap. He said that right. I was going to lay to carry it out, right? So why do the feds do that? The feds have a 99, 98% conviction. Rate. Yeah, for now, sure. A lot of times, you know, the feds do this because during a wiretap uh, during a, a, you know, a case like this, 97% of criminal cases in the feds don't go to trial. I mean, I think it's right. up to 90%, it has to be 90 yeah. something, right? Yeah, yeah so they don't sure. have a problem of violating your due process right during the criminal investigation because if it doesn't go to trial, none of this stuff is gonna come up anyways. Ah, right? Right. So they could just take advantage of that and take advantage of that, and take advantage of that. So I fired my first attorney and um because all he wanted me to do was um was to to cooperate or 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 to um, just plead guilty, you know All what I'm right. saying? And that's what a lot of these attorneys do. They don't want to look over 19,000 wiretap calls for yeah, me or yeah. 100,000 pages of indictment, especially if he's not a paid attorney that I'm paying, I mean, you know, if he's a guy doing it pro bono. So they just want you to plead guilty without without even looking at the case. So I was like, nah, homie, I got to find my case. So
0: Did, did they ever uh, send any kind of informants to try to buy drugs from you, sell drugs to you? I mean...
1: Yeah, so check this out. So... That that one friend that was from the other end diamond, he used to live in an apartment building, and um he uh the feds they were already watching us for years, right? They're just waiting to see how the hell they could get us in some type of dope deal, right? right. Which was hard because we weren't we weren't dealing dope. So right. they brought an informant, they put an MS uh, tattoo on his stomach. Oh no yeah, and he came to the to that crib, and you know, in that crib, we used to go sometimes to watch, you know, um to you know, drink, chill, yeah, you know, watch just, the dogs. You know, chill pace, with the homies, man, chill with yeah. the homies. Yeah, just chilly, you know what I'm saying? And it, it was homies that were calmados. We were all working, homies. We yeah, had already yeah. been here before we got in diamond. We had already been here for seven, eight years. Some of these guys right. have been here for ten. You know what right, I'm saying? There was right. no trace of any MS uh, stuff going on. It was just homies, because ya calmados. That we were yeah. out and we, we just chill. You know, have right. that us, You know, of we just chill with, with the kids and everything. You know what I'm saying? But. They believed that something else is going on or they wanted to make it seem believe that something was right. going on. So this informant came and I was like, man, the next day this who had an apartment, he already had furniture. Like, what the hell? and he came up to me, he was like, Hey Clever, like what's up, man? And he, you know, oh this is my you know, some guy percent to me, this is the home with Claire, we're like what's up? He was like, Hey man, you know, yo también estoy calmado, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not gangbanging, I just want a job, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, all right. Oh, right, you know, we'll, we'll hook you up, you know we'll see we'll see what we could do you know like foods were working at you know we were working like a you know different hot, legit yeah, jobs yeah. you know and um next thing you know I'm like that, how the hell is we get money for the apartment and everything you know what I'm saying right and then when I started seeing the the, the CDs the wiretaps in my um in the feds because they had the video recordings
2: uh-huh. I mean, we were
1: being recorded with this guy um um we were watching baseball games like the Rockets <laughs> the- uh-huh. There was nothing going. They got a bunch of recordings of us right. doing castadas eating and drinking beer, homie. Yeah,
3: yeah, just bullshitting.
1: Thing. And doing the family thing, también. You right. know, so, so this vato continued to try to get dope off of me. You know, and I was telling him, ah, homie, hey, wow. said he wanted to drive. You know, so he got into the other connection, and 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 the other guy from my indictment presented him to the alleged other ah. guy from the, the other indictment. So gotcha. supposedly allegedly, you know what I'm saying? I didn't didn't even know the other guy either. They started, you know, they started hooking up, right? And then in the wiretap thing, one of the stuff that I brought up was if this informant continues to, is continuing to ask me for drugs and I don't have any, why doesn't he just ask me if I can't get none from the other dude? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. And I don't, we're both in that mess. And the thing was, because the feds didn't want him to say that, because they didn't want me to be on the phone saying who the fuck is that guy I don't know who right that guy is. What are you right about? right but so they made their best to 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 separate both these and both indictments and not ask those those questions but when the time was running out and it was time to come after Gerardo Lopez they said you know what let's just throw all this shit together you know what I'm saying wow. and let's see what happens and that's how it was all this stuff was thrown together and I mean, just to go through those 19,000 wiretap calls, not all of them were mine, but they put everything in the same CDs. They were trying to find um, needles and haystacks, homies, to right. see where I could uh, do that, you know. And then my attorney, you know what I'm saying, I would tell him, all right, hey, some of these calls are wrong. Some of them are in Spanish, homie. Who's interpreting these calls for you? You don't speak Spanish. What's up? Who's doing this for Oh, me? wow. Trip out. He, t- he tells me. I got this. Uh, I got this high school intern that's doing the <laughs> like, what? Oh man!
3: <laughs> oh man! I'm, I'm
1: facing life. Right, know, a, right. High school intern. And if you try to get rid of attorney, home, it's almost impossible to try to get rid of an attorney to fire him, man. Right. And um, so I stopped visiting his, accepting his visits, and eventually they just dropped him from the case. And then I got this other attorney. And, you know, he was, like, a, a big high talker. He was all like, hey, man, I ain't scared of these motherfuckers. I was Kobe Bryant's attorney over here. In Colorado. Uh, okay, you know, okay. Them, you go ahead and ask everybody around me in this jail, and they're going to know about me. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And I was right. like, oh, right. And he started writing some good mo- court motions for me. We started, he started bringing up everything that I was talking to you about because my first attorney, he didn't want to write nothing that. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And after a while, um, um, he comes and he was like, hey, man, they're offering you like, you know, like 10 years or something. And and then uh, and I and he was all like, what, 10 years? What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? They were like, they just want you to, like, to cooperate or, you know, why, why are you being like this? So now he starts, you know, trying to th- throw that therapeutic uh, stuff on me. Right. And then I I started presenting all this stuff. And he was like, yeah, you know what? That cop, he was like, this is going on, Gerardo. They're trying to get you to dope you, but they don't. Have a dope deal on you. They're pissed off because of all the rampart stuff that you came out in the news. Uh-huh. And this cop is hiding the fact that he came to follow you over here and he never let the the, the judge know. They just wanna get rid of this case and get it um get it over with. You know what I'm saying? All right. And I was like, damn man, and and then I started bringing him more evidence because he started this Huda started planning phone numbers from the other indictment, the other fools that were allegedly slanging into my trash can, because when the feds come at you, they come at you with, uh, you know, they, they, they search you your trash to see what's up. So this would have started writing numbers, you know, on, and uh, putting them in the in the trash bin. Oh, and wow. Telling, the, telling my, um, my attorney, hey, man, I want you to check that number that he has and the evidence thing or those numbers from the other people's indictment, and I want to compare them to like the, because you know he also wrote in your, you know, in your paper with that who writes, you know. I started comparing. I wanted to compare the numbers of if they were the same ones. Right. And that's what my attorney he was like, you know what, fuck that man. Hey, you know what, I'm not presenting anything anymore. Um, they're gonna come after me after this. You know what I'm
0: saying? <laughs> he started getting scared.
1: <laughs> like I to see you were Kobe Bryant's attorney home, you weren't scared.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but he, he doesn't want to go up against the United States government like you he were. He
1: doesn't want to go up against the United States government because you know what he told me. He was like, you know what? Then they're going to come after me. That's what he said.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Dude. And I was like, well, where's my due process of law then, homie, where I, I could get free and adequate counsel? And yeah. people were like, well, why don't you just complain? Hey, homie, go complain in federal court. Let's see if they're going to listen to you. They're going to think you <laughs> crazy, homie. Right. If you just this, you see this from a crazy fool from MS. And you start writing like the, these other organizations that's supposed to help you, and they take like three months to write you back. Right. And then they don't accept, collect calls, and in the end, you know, they tell you that they can't help you, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And they send you a list of people for you to call, and these people don't even accept calls anymore, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So how the hell is a fool going to try to take it to the box or to trial when you're fighting against the United States of America by yourself, and your attorney don't give a shit about you, wow. you know what I'm saying? I had to write my own court motions for me. I was in the feds. I wasn't allowed to library for like 10, 14-hour days just listening to wiretaps. And just um, translating to myself and just submitting myself doing the, the 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 motions, you know. Then I got in a fight right there and they sent me to the to the to the hole. Right. And then he sent me to like the little court process right there. I think that's when um they were starting to find out that hey, this fool, he's breaking his case. We need to get them, we need to get <sighs> this forward from that computer. So uh. they sent me to the hole and the in, in, in the feds, and then um and then I was right there in the hole with, a, with, with another guy from uh, from MS that they brought from, from Pelican Bay. Right. You know, he ended up getting in, in, in a fight, too, and we, we were right there. And um. And then they, they shot me to a, a Jefferson County jail. Right. And from my indictment home, it's 100,000 pages of, of of paperwork. Wow. My attorney only gave me, like, 150, 150 pages because he said ah. that he, he didn't have the resources right. to get everything else. But he gave me some CDs. Where all the all the stuff is right there. So I was like, boom, all right, let's go to Jeffco. I'll study in my case right there. Right. So I go to Jeffco, and I was like, where's a law library? What law library? No damn uh, law library. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a federal. I started writing grievances. I'm a federal inmate. I want federal rights, man. Yeah, yeah. And All this time, the time is ticking. But these the, the the U.S. Attorney's office wants to slow me down because I'm breaking my case. You know, I'm breaking my case apart. You know what I'm saying?
0: They were trying to bury you.
1: Yeah, man, it, it, I was facing 48 years, homie. So they put me in a com- in front of a computer, you know, right. and Jeff wouldn't have a computer, but you could just Google stuff and like case laws. Right. I was I, like, that's feedback, but I need to listen to these wiretaps. Right. Like, well, that's the computer right there. Where the hell do I put the CD homie? <laughs> you might as well put me in front of a freaking microwave, huh? you know? So I started to uh, write more grievances, man. Right. For the, all the federal inmates right there, because it was an overlocal. that federal facility, there was so many federal inmates, they couldn't house all the. Ah, okay. Inmates. They were them to the county jails, but right. they were giving us our federal rights. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I started writing grievances. So then they 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 put a computer, you know, with the with the CD thing, and I was put. I was, you know, I was like, okay, now I could do my stuff i was like man where the headphones and i need to hear my headphones They're like we ain't got no damn headphones i'm like
3: Pshh. oh man like, here comes
1: another grievance man for damn headphones. they were getting tired of me but this time time is ticking homie i need yeah, to see of my course. of course i was already locked up for like a year you know what i'm saying oh, wow. time is ticking and all the all the only stuff that i have is the all the wiretaps i had a gang of paperwork with me all the wiretaps that i translated and everything like that you know so right so i was turning that in my case and then The grievance went through, and you know the huda started to be cool after a while, because you know in the county jail, you know the max stay for a person, you know a normal stay is like you know a couple months, right? I was there for almost going on another year there, you know. So they took somewhat of a liking to me, and you know they got a, a a food cart. And they put the computer, they put the keyboard, they put the mouse, and they put some headphones, <laughs> and they started wheeling that stuff around. of who wanted to view their case? And there's a lot of federal inmates that yeah. you know they don't understand, homie. Yeah, I didn't understand cause... either. I got a degree in criminal justice, but not to the effect where I could pick it up. Right, To that effect, homie. So, so. Um, I started getting on that list. You know, they're like, oh, now you got to get on the list. There was a hood right there that didn't like me. And I saw the list. There was nobody on there but my name. I'm ah. like, no, I'm on the list. so let me get there, man. <laughs> they're like, all right, you got 30 minutes. I'm like, and I was, it was oh, 30 wow.
0: minutes.
1: And I was used to being on that shit for 10, 14 hours in the feds. Right, you know?
0: right, of course.
1: So then there was these other cool that late at night. There was, someone from L.A. We used to talk about the Dodgers and everything. Right, you know? right, right. It wasn't nothing of, of you know, it, and that's where it stopped, right? That's where our conversation stopped. Of course, you know? of course. And, you know, they knew not to come at me, you know, sideways with some other stuff. And late at night, you know, they opened up my, my um, this will opened up my, my cell door. Yeah. And you take me to a broom room. You lock me up in there. And um, you had me study my case only me nice. from like 12 at night to like 7 in the morning.
0: That's right, you know, brother.
1: Just like in a broom with the computer, and I'm just right there. There's all kinds of brooms and mops and everything. You know what I mean? Wow. i was like, I didn't wow. care. I didn't care where the hell you put me at. You that, that,
0: me. that was a that that was Clever's law office right there, oh boy. That was, my, <laughs> <laughs> that was right? my law
1: office, dog.
0: That was the law. So how long did how long were you fighting this case for?
1: For two years.
0: Oh man.
3: Yeah,
1: for two years, and then you know, and then that stuff happened, and um. And uh, yeah, I was just fighting my case and just writing my own court motions. and I, the attorneys never left my case, but I just stopped listening to them. I started fighting, I started going pro se, pro se, meaning that I started just representing myself in court and speaking right. up, these dudes were scared. They weren't right. They, weren't, um, they were doing nothing. I was like, "You know what? if I lose, I just want to put as much stuff in that for my appeal as much right. as much stuff documented for my appeal, homie. And then they came at me. With uh, with 48 months, they were like, Uh-oh. hey, you know what, my attorney changed. Like, hey, Gerardo, they offered you 48 months, and you you've been locked up for two years, right? And uh, you'll be in halfway house in about four months.
2: Okay. Take
3: the
1: deal. You got to 12 o'clock today, homie, to take the deal.
2: And you take, hey, the, homie, you take the, take the deal?
1: You? Hey, homie, right there, you want to take the deal? Kill or not? I right. went to my scale door and um. And uh, I was just pacing back and forth in my cell. And I was looking at the clock because it was 12 o'clock. And I had to knock on the door to get that phone call. Right. And and the time was coming. I mean, you know, the time was coming. And it was, it was ticking. And at it was 12 o'clock. And I kind of just knocked a little bit. So they, you know, but nobody really heard me. And I didn't really <laughs> want to hear me. And the time passed. And I was uh, like,
3: all
1: uh, right, man, this is it. Yeah, we're we're taking uh, it to the box. Right. And then my attorney came the next day. He's like, hey, you didn't take the deal. And I was like, yeah, I know. I didn't. And he's all like, all right, they gave you to 12 o'clock today to take the deal. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, like,
3: right. Uh-huh. They it moved
1: like it. It was show. Door number one, door number two, or door number three. <laughs> right, like, right. So I was like, we're going to the motions here. And the motions here is meaning that um, whatever I put in paper, right, re- defending myself, whatever my attorney put in paper, defending themselves, defending me. Yes, we gotta go. We gotta go to court now. You know, to get ready for trial to see what they're gonna allow in and what they're not gonna uh, allow. Right. So, my attorney doesn't put the feds on the stand. He's supposed to put them on the stand because this is the, the motion to dismiss the case, the wiretap, all kinds right. of different motions, and right. he don't he doesn't put the government on the stand. There. The judge denied all the motions. What he was doing. He was denying the motions, but he took into consideration the motion to dismiss and said he was going to think about that. Wow. Now, that's highly weird. Why, why did that guy do that? And I think it was because he wanted to, um, they wanted to block all the corruption oh, that was wow. going on in the case. They were probably already thinking of dismissing it, but now we got we to gotta, we gotta tie all this up, man.
2: Yeah. yeah. This,
1: right? this was right. going to come back at us. Those fools are doing life in prison. They're gonna use this case law to get out. Uh, say this was the same thing that happened. And thousands of homies, so people yes. could use my, my 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 case law. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yes. So let's just get rid of all this stuff. And and I go to my jail cell, and um, my attorney misses me the next day, and and, and he's all like, um, I'm like why don't you put them on the stand, man? He's like, well, they already got caught lying, man. They're scared. You know what I'm saying? They could get fired. Wow. I'm like, what? And you start hearing this stuff, I'm like what? Really, man? I don't, what? Yeah. I'm fighting for my life, man. You, you worried about these guys? And they were like, you know, they offered you another 48 months. You know, are oh, you gonna shit. Take or not. So they want me to take the deal, right? Yeah. Because it, it was for it was for conspiracy to sell dope, and then it was for illicit use of the phone. Now the phone is um, you know, you're talking about drugs, or or they say you're talking about drugs or doing any type of drug deal on the phone. That's 48 months right there. And they always hit you with that. So right. you can plead to that if everything else falls. So they wanted me to plead to that, and I was like, I wasn't talking about no drugs on me,
2: right. so
1: I ain't taking nothing. So I started writing my own court motions again and saying all the stuff that my attorney was was um was doing, right? That he wasn't, he didn't want to represent me. Um, I was denied my fair due process of law and everything like that. So, like a month later, they uh they opened up my jail cell. You know, one of the the, the the hooders right there, and he said that my case was on the Denver Post that I got dismissed. You what?
2: Know?
1: It, it, my attorney didn't even come tell me, homie. <laughs> you know? The judge and the feds, they didn't even want to take us to court. They let yeah. us out the back door like nothing happened. It was such an embarrassment <sighs> that they didn't even want to see me. You know what I'm saying? So, everybody in my case that was from one to seven, as soon as my stuff got dismissed, they dismissed all everybody else's charges. There was even one guy that got tired, and he pleaded guilty.
2: Oh, they, just took his,
1: they took his guilty plea back home, and they said, you know what? Just whatever, you know what I'm saying? But the people from the other indictment, you know, that was separate from yeah, us. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. At this
1: time, a lot of them had already took deals, and most of them had already pleaded um, guilty because we were already going, like, on two years, two, um, two plus years. And wow. they were it to go to two years exactly to the dot. the government also— because it takes two years for you to file a lawsuit for, for for false imprisonment. You know what I'm saying? It takes two years. So they um, let me out like the day before the two years. Uh, you know, I, there man. was no way that I, was, I I had that much time to uh, file that type of um of lawsuit. But yeah, man, it was it was that wow. thing where I either get the forty-eight months. Or I lose and get the forty-eight years, and this judge would have maxed me out forty-eight years. Right, man. of
3: course. I and mean, he maxed
1: out the, the, the other guy that was allegedly selling dope on the other indictment. I mean, he maxed them out for like thirty something, you know. And I had already written complaints against the the judge, um, also, right? So, yeah, that's so
0: that's. that's I like, I, I think your story and this part of it it just shows the extent that the federal governments will go to try to prosecute people. And you had you had a you had a three year investigation with, with taps you had a two years court these guys are going through your trash these guys are got guys uh, that are not from ms coming in they're putting tattoos on them i mean how many guys do you think in the federal system are there that got a raw deal like you like you would have gotten
2: oh damn
1: a, a gang of them a lot of them i no nothing ever goes to trial no nothing ever goes to trial. You either. Whether you're guilty or not, you take you take 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Well, you risk going to trial and you get 40 or 50 years. Man. There's no in between, and they're not gonna hit you with the low end because you already wasted the resources and all the time for you to go to trial. So they're gonna make you pay to go to um to trial. There was this guy that he, he it was the same. I remember hearing a the case. There was this guy that he was all like um. Hey man, I'm about to get out right now, homie. I didn't sell no dope. There's nobody selling dope. They didn't have nothing on him. And but during the the, the van ride to the to the feds, I mean to court, they put this um this there like an inmate. She started chopping it up with them, you know? And he said, Man, I swear I didn't talk to that hina or nothing. And she testified that same day saying that she bought dope from him. You know what I'm saying? And from right there, they broke him off. He was supposed to get um I think the deal was ten. He ended up getting like freaking thirty or something.
3: Oh man.
1: You know, so it's just things like that homie that that just that's just the way that that it works on on um fortunately, you know and the way and the reason that i tell all this all, 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 all these things that i found out of these investigations is not for somebody to say okay shit now i got this information i'm gonna do it this other way Nah, homie just don't do the shit at that's all,
3: right you know that's I mean? right that's absolutely you know, i'm right. not trying
1: to give nobody information on how to do it you know because there's all kinds of different Things this is what happened in my case. You know what I'm saying? If you're about that life, or um you know, you think you're about that life, you know, it it comes at you when they're offering, you know, all those all those um all those years. So the best thing is I wasn't in the dope game, you know what I'm saying? But the best advice I give for somebody in the dope game is um that's the way it goes down. And if you think that your attorney is gonna help you, even if it's sometimes a paid attorney, right? Nah, sometimes those paid attorneys. They um they get you, get you, get you until it goes to trial and they they start telling you, you got a good case, you got a good case, you got a good case. By the time trial, if you were paying this for, by the time trial comes, you got no failure. Yeah, bro. Right? Unless you got failure for trial, that's when your attorney tells you, okay, now they connect you with this deal, and I recommend that you um that you take this deal, man. Right. But yeah, that's just how the the federal um system works. Now am I saying that every the, the, the whole system is like that? Some people might say yeah. You know during these times, you know, I've met, you know, like I said in other interviews before, you know, I've met um government officials that have came to apologize, you know, like US you know, attorneys that they, they had nothing to wow. do with my case. You know what I'm saying? Um, I had other police people, you know, sometimes I go to school to speak, you know, the 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 CEO, the hoods that um that read up on my case or heard up on my case. You know, I, I don't treat them as if it was them because I understand that it wasn't um, it wasn't everybody. And right. Even the U.S. courts, you know, I've had judges that invite me to um to their chambers to talk about to talk about law, you know, and the U.S. courts. I've done presentations for them for the defense, um, for defense attorneys across the country okay. on how for them to. Build a better relationship with the clients, right? To represent them better, and also for attorneys that have clients facing capital murder, right? So they're already a lot of them already guilty. It's right. about how can I help you humanize your client so they won't kill them in the right. um, in the death penalty. And I do a lot of consulting also for 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 defense attorneys that have clients that are um, alleged gang members, right? Right. Um, right. And how to help, them. because you know, and it's it's stuff that's in, in in law, you know. It's it's a due process right, right, you know, for everybody to get a fair and equal due process and a trial as well, you know.
3: Right.
0: So, uh, once you get out of prison, and not even you didn't even go to the joint on this one. You you came out of the the federal the system or the county. How was your life? You came out. Were you working? Were you back to living a normal life? I mean, that had to take some kind of toll on you.
1: Well, you know, it, it, you know, I, I even miss talking about all the the trauma that you go in there. I remember waking up in the jail cell and just like a thousand voices because I studied my case so much. So yeah. as soon as I wake up, I, it, it was like boom, like a big train wreck of my case and everything. That I studied all the wiretaps, all the surveillance, just hit you like just flashes, wow. just waking up for me, and then um. And when I got out, after seeing, you know, the way, you know, being, hearing yourself in wiretaps, seeing how you were being followed and everything like that. I mean, you come out and, and before I got out, homie, you know, saying, you know, when I got out and I beat my case, because nobody really beats their case, you know, I get out, you know, I get my legal stuff and I gave my, my Walkman away, my commissary away to the homies. And then, um, you get out and, it was like a movie, people just started applauding everywhere, you know what right, I'm saying? From right. all the DOS, you could see everywhere. You just <laughs> all right. It was beat man. and I was I was on my way out and the correctional officer said, Oh, hold on, Lopez. I'm like, What's up? You got this warrant that's holding you up. I'm like,
3: what? I mean, to me, man. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm like, no
1: more locked doors, motherfucker.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, now you got a warrant.
1: Yeah, I got a warrant for what? And they were like, You got this this ticket, man, that you yeah. owe. Or like, really, a uh, ticket? Or like, how much is it or $500? Because, you know, when I would get stopped by the feds, they would, or, or they would do all kinds of these crazy stops just to stop me and give uh, me a ticket just to switch my car. Right. You know what I'm saying? So all these tickets accumulated, so I called one of my homies, and he was all like, hey, homie, I'm out. He's like, you're out? Yeah. Hey, man, um, you got to come pay this ticket, like four hundred dollars <laughs> You know, we got it, we on the way, and you get out, and... uh." I get out. It was raining, man. I were, I were just the rain hitting hitting me in my face, and uh, and my homie picked me up, and he was like, "Take me to my um, to my wife, you know, and my, and my kids." He was like, "Hey, homie, you know, she's a uh, man. We, we didn't want to tell you this, because she's uh, she's engaged with somebody else already, you know." And I'm uh, like, "Damn," I'm like, "Sergio," and by this time, nothing surprises you, you know what I'm right. saying, and. and but I think that's the best thing she could have done because when the feds come at you, they try to break all break up your support system. So yeah, they kept harassing yeah. her and saying that they were going to take my kids away. Um, they were trying to find ways to use her against me. You know, they would call the apartments where we lived, that saying that she was with the MS thirteen gang leader. She would come home and all her stuff was just out. Right, she kept getting stopped. So I told her, you know, after a year, hey, you know what you do, what you have to do. So she did um, the best for her and the kids and you know to this day i'm not tripping about that
3: that's right so man.
1: you know and um so i get out and my homie he's like you know what we got a basement and um you could stay right there in my crib and i was I'm like all right cool man you're like let's go eat what you want to eat i was like man let's go, let's go eat somewhere homie you know he took me to like a marisco's place and i could barely eat half of my plate because i mean i lost like finding that case i lost like probably 40 pounds you wow. know right just like right. stress and not you know I didn't want to ask, uh, nobody put money on my books. I didn't want them to say that I had a connection with anybody, you know? Wow. So, so I could barely eat like half of the plate, Home eat probably like a quarter. So I had to just adapt of eating and eating right. and, you know, start to working out little by little, but that's the, right. That's the other stuff. That's the, right. the, 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 other things The the big stuff was just the mental compensation of right. me just getting out and thinking when I was in the store, I would think that the Person next to me was a fed, you know.
2: Of course, I'm like,
1: man, I'm buying all these groceries, and this was only buying organic milk. This who gotta be a fed, you ah. know what I'm saying? When I'm driving or whatever, I see cars just looking at me, staring at you, you know, like, and I forgot to be a fed. I'll be look. I was tripping, homie. I, I was bet. tripping. I hom-
0: bet you know? had every right to, you had every right to, brother.
1: Hey, the. Some of the homies would hit me up, you know, and the homies were calmado, you know, Then like, hey, Claire, we're going to have a carne asada, I'm going to 10 pounds. I'm like, damn, well, no, homie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no uh, pounds, homie, no pounds, you, homie.
1: You know, you you're know, done. Uh, so, hey,
3: go hey, ahead, hey, I'm uh, sorry.
1: No, just real quick. Um, after a while, when people will call me, I'll like, what do you mean by that? Or what do you mean by this? Just like uh, dodging tickets to go see the Rockies over here. Right, so if you're right. talking about tickets, you're not talking about drugs, right? could like, I get a repeat for everything. And <laughs> I mean, after a while, homie, my phone never rang. They were like, this was trippy. Uh,
0: <laughs> I thought you were paranoid. But they, they didn't go to the two years of hell you, you just left.
1: Yeah, that's how it was. And I had to train my mind back um, of how it was. When somebody asked me, you know, of course, it's an interview. So I'm going to go into detail and everything. Yeah, but. Yeah somebody just asked me how my day was going, you know, any person that, you know, that I felt that I trusted, I just broke down my whole, it was like a freaking interview, like my whole, like what happened to me and who's just sitting there for like an hour. They're like, what? And I did right. that all the time and all the time. And I say, you know what, man, for my mental state, I got to move on from this. You know, I, I got to talk about it here, talk about it in different forums, or you got to learn how to shut it off like a light switch or else you're not going to recover mentally. Right. Um, from this stuff, so I started going back into gang intervention, nice. right? Helping kids get out of gangs. I started speaking at schools, working at schools, and um, I started working with some other organization. And sometimes it was mental health trainings that they were doing, so we could do for the kids. Right. And you know, everybody was, you know, okay. This is what we're, we're gonna learn to do for the kid. I was learning to how to fix my right. shit, you know. What right. I saying right. before, right. I, finished, before and I started doing that, and at the same time, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I started feeling better. At the same time, but I think that what helped me, homie, was that I put, I said, you know what, fuck what I, fuck my feelings or whatever I went through. What, What's that little homie story? What, what's wrong with that person? How could I help that person? What's That's his great, story? Brother. So That's I put great. all my energy into the homies from the barrios that were leaving that wrong path, and I wanted to hear what they were going through, right? Oh, how do, so I put all my energy into that. That's and little right, by little, I started forgetting about my feelings, and I, I started worrying about that person's feelings. Of how could I help this person prosper, so he won't get end up getting locked up, or that person won't end up getting um life in prison. That's right, brother. That's right.
0: So so what are, what are you doing now? I mean, uh, is that what you're doing? You're working with Homies Unidos. What's 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 happen- What's a day to day life in Clever's life now instead of being in jail?
1: Well, you know, um, well, right now it's quarantine, homie. <laughs> <laughs> We're <stole those> way. <laughs> so every day is the same thing now, man. <laughs> you know, doing some prison workouts. I don't got no weights. I'm over the back on I'm over the back my couch, you know. <laughs> and doing I got the water bags. And for some reason, homie, I started doing some jailhouse spreads, man. Oh, you know man! I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, my 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 kids are with me. You know, that's what I'm right. And um, you know, so a lot. So I, do, so I started the Homies Unidos chapter over here in Denver probably about four years ago. Okay. Right? So we got that into um, in schools. We got it in the community, too. So we give them that form, the same stuff that I talked about in the beginning about Homies Unidos. is yes. the same thing that we do with these other kids. It's just not me getting the, the services. It's me providing them for the services, Get them that sense of belonging, that respect, power, and pride, right, right? Um, for them to have their own social group them to be able to talk about um stuff that you know that they could all relate to so we give them a safe forum to um to express themselves and it goes back to the i run the same circulo from that therapy session from YPS, <laughs> right it's the same thing and i tell the homies i don't care if you're lying or you're gonna fake it to your make it but i want you to say these words homie that's i want right. you to hear you say that that's right right bro. And after a while, man, um, their grades start going up, man. They start seeing, you know, they're part of a social club. and They start graduating. That's the best gift for me. When you see a kid that a lot of people gave up on and they said this kid's never going to graduate. And you see him walking down the aisle with his diploma, homie, that's the best gift, man, and seeing their their parents. You know, that's respect, power, and pride right there, homie. You know what I'm saying? And then seeing them go on to colleges. And there's kids now that um they go do the speeches for me, you know what I'm saying? They it's about their, their they talk about their life stories, you know what right. I'm saying? It's about them, it's not about me. That's you know. It's about who, it's about their story, homies Unidos. So we got that in schools and um, and right now, because of the quarantine, we did two online stuff. So right now, what we do with the kids, we check up on them every 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 uh couple of times a week, all of them. You know, one-on-one phone call, text, email. They got um, our numbers twenty-four-seven for them to talk to us to deal. How to deal with confinement and isolation? Because for a lot of them, it's their first times in, the, in these things, right? To right. Be of course. Inside your, your your quarters, so we tell them uh, on on how to. We're uh, being locked up with that experiences. You know, yeah. from pretty much being locked up for two years in a in a bathroom in in a cell the size of a bathroom not being able to come out right so we give them activities and you know and and things like that and how to build also for them how to build a better relationship for me with their familias because a lot of the times now the club is closed everything's closed you just can't run off in an argument and say apples i'm done right, I'm right right now you gotta stay there you know what i'm saying you gotta stay there so we start teaching these kids coping skills on how to come at your parents or wherever you live with firme, and, and and right and without the conversation escalating to gritos or chingazos right um it's about if this person if you get mad how are you gonna de-escalate yourself so we also talk to the parents um um too you know what i'm saying? To uh, to make sure that if they need that parenting guidance too you right. know some of the parents are young you know right. what I'm saying Some didn't graduate from high school um you know or or but just because you grad, didn't graduate from high school doesn't mean that you have you don't have those those tools in, in
0: right of course
1: and in you're in your you know what I'm saying but um you know we're just right there for for support you know for them to know that 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 we're there for you and I think that's the biggest part when somebody knows homie that that you're there for them. I mean, it could be a world of a difference instead of a kid that tells themselves, you know, I ain't nothing or I ain't this or I ain't that. When that kid knows that, you know what, Hey, we got Gerardo, we got homies, or we got Carlos or or Gil or whoever that could speak up with you. They know somewhere to, um, to go to and to to talk to without knowing that somebody's going to judge him and make fun of him.
0: That's right, brother. That's right. Uh, Well, you know, Man, it, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, brother. Uh, if you could please let the audience know, you know, where they could find you, even where they maybe it'll help uh, help your cause, man, help homies Unidos, you know, or how how uh, how we, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and contact you, you know, how, how can they do that?
1: Yeah. So um, our website is um, www.homiesunidosdenver.org. If they want to get a a hold of us. And uh, there's also a Homies Unidos still in L.A. We just celebrated our 20th year anniversary over in L.A. a few months ago. So it was cool to see um, all the homies that did change their lives in homies, um, homies Unidos, right? And there's a lot of people that are very uh, successful. They went through a program. And it was freedom to see after a long time also the people that helped, um, that helped me out. But I'll shoot you also my my information so you could um, put it there if people want to get at me directly is uh G Lopez at homiesunidos.org and um I guess I'll get my Instagram too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> put the gram out there, homie. put the gram out
1: there. Yeah right there it is clever clever uh, G lo right that's right so.
0: and uh hey hey the, the, the biggest question what you know about them Nikes on huh, boy <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what you know about them Nikes? Cartier? Come on,
5: hey, <laughs>
1: hey, you know what? I uh, I have a I bought them one time and then I started, uh, I was like, I'm gonna buy some Nike Cortez. Just ah,
0: that's oh, man. Man, a classic, down, homie. That's a classic. I
1: went, I went down to LA and the Nike Cortez homie, like, everybody's wearing them now. I, I guess they're safe to wear now. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Nike, the told me you want hey. a Nike Cortez, and yeah. like, who the hell are you from? Then you stop, yeah, yeah. But now I, I just did an interview with, uh, man, what is this, this, the shoe magazine, homie, sneaker freaker, you okay. know, and, and it's not in Australia, man, and they, I broke down the Nike Cortez, um, for them, you know, but yeah, I guess you know I wore Nike Cortez back in the days, but you know, it's not just the shoe, right, for a lot of us, it's a whole yeah, lot of memories.
3: Yeah, man. brother, yeah, that, For a that... lot
1: of us, bro, it's a whole lot of. Uh, Memories and during this quarantine, since you see the Nike Cortez doing this quarantine, you know, I started. <laughs> this is like my office, um, within the crib, too. I just started out and I, I just had too much time on my hands right now. Man. <laughs> that, my kids come downstairs sometimes, they're like, What are you doing now, man? Like, you know?
0: <laughs> that, that Nike Cortez was a lifestyle, it was a part of a uniform, and uh, it was probably the shoe that saved you when you got dropped off at the Rampart police station. You had to run through all those different barrios <laughs> by MacArthur
3: Park. <laughs>
1: Hey, you had to, hey homie. <laughs> <laughs> you had to it, it probably was. It, it,
3: it, was, I, it got some I, nice teeth, man. I'm pretty sure it was, brother.
0: Hey Gerardo, it's a pleasure, brother. We'll be doing some soon in the future, man. Uh, thank you for coming out, brother. Right on,
1: man. Gracias, Gil thank you, man. And thank you for the for I'd like to say a shout out to you, man. The the forum that you're that you're giving to find, you know, you we get into the stories and everything. Of course, we have to say the some gang stories because that's part of our life. Right. But, um, again, you know, I like your estilo because it's not about promoting it. It's about, you know what, this is what happened and what's the solution, where we at now, and where we go from um, from here, you know? So there's little homies watching, you know, so they could um, see that, you know? And there's no disrespect to people that are caught up in the lifestyle, of course right? So. It's just that... It, it all depends where your thinking is at, right? Your mentality could always um, could always change. My 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 mom used to always tell me that Te un vaso de agua," and I'm like, man, what does she mean by that? And I saw that the vaso de agua was my hood. I was putting all my passion and all my energy just in that vaso de agua, and when I bursted out of that vaso de agua, homie, I saw that there was a whole freaking ocean to swim on, homie, right? that life was not just right there, that I could do all kinds of different things in life, and it doesn't matter where I came from, you know what I'm saying? You could always be, you know, prospering whatever it is that you want to do, but for you, Kyo, gracias, man, you know, you know, to American Cholo, right. tambien, you know, you got a good forum right there, homie, and uh, yeah, I, I appreciate definitely you. hit that subscribe button. <laughs> <laughs>